Lawn Custom Car Care. All right. Good morning and welcome. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got a story that uh, I think is going to track or hit close to home for all of us. And I want to get right into it this morning. Um, in case nobody's noticed, things are getting expensive out there. No kidding. And you have something saying what the average car payment is. Why don't you talk about that for a sure. second? Sure. Okay. There is a new report that the average monthly car payment is now $777. That is incredible. Yep. It takes about 44 weeks of salary to pay off a new vehicle. Wow. Isn't that insane? You know, the older I get, and I talk about this a lot, and I'm not all that old. I'm, you know, knocking on the door of 40 here pretty quick. But I've been doing this professionally for 20 years now, and uh, I've seen or paid attention to the ebb and flow of life in general, whether it's bills or income or car payments or whatever the case may be. Um, the dollar is getting weak, and I don't care what they show out there. Um, speaking of that, and I'm going to get on a little rabbit trail, but I don't want to get too far to this. I believe it was Wyoming, could have been Idaho, one of the states way out west has just adopted that you can pay the state in gold and silver. Did you hear about that? Really? I did not hear about that. So Missouri is actually on the next list. I think there was a handful of other states that are talking about putting that into law. Mm-hmm. And that kind of verified my thought. I'm kind of a silver bug, if you will. I, I like gold. Don't get me wrong. I think everybody likes gold. But gold's a little out of my price range. Uh, you can get a silver round right now for about $25 for a silver ounce. If you've never held a couple of ounces of silver in your hand, it's a whole different feeling. It feels like money. The sound is different. The texture's different. I'll have to bring some in and if you've not ever felt it. Um, but long story short... It basically kind of reinforces a thought process I've had for quite a while. As they continue to flood the market with dollars, they're going to have to protect the currency a little bit. And I think that's what the states are trying to do, is that if they continue to devalue the the valuation of our U.S. dollar by printing and printing and you know just getting us into debt and debt and debt and debt, some of these states are waking up finally and saying, hey, we need to do something about this and protect whatever investments that we have as a state, which I think is very wise. But I digress. That was a, a rabbit trail there. But I think that's worth mentioning. If you're interested in it, please reach out and do some research. And if you find anything about that, I would love to hear from you. So, Sarah, right now, could you take on a $777 payment. So I basically am between the two vehicles. Mm-hmm. We had a heck of a year. The yeah. the year that I found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> that was a year, guys. Yeah. Let me tell you what. Life really kind of it really its... smacked me right in the face. Yeah. So not only did we just purchase a house and then find out that I was pregnant, but then we both had to get new yeah. vehicles. And uh, the husband's, of course, was a little bit more of emergency situation than mine. We had been maintaining my car for Mm -hmm. some time and we just got to the point where I needed a new vehicle that was going to be able to perform for what I needed. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to make sure that I was going to be safe out in the country with my little one. Mm -hmm. But the husband's literally blew up on the side of the road. Now, so so I think it's important. What what 
was the husbands that blew up because that was a loyal yes so loyal vehicle it was a 1996 ford ranger Which that he had had since high school that served you guys really well yes and we are gonna rebuild her that. she's currently in the the garage taking up a bunch of room mm-hmm. and uh, we cleaned her out and we took all of the fluids out mm-hmm. and we have a engine that is on its way, and then we're going to rebuild it part which, by part. Which I think is awesome. Very well worth, in, excuse me, investing in. And I am seeing a trend of that yes. more. As you talk about a $777 average vehicle payment, I'm seeing folks, A, want to protect the car that they have, and B, keeping some of those older cars. And I've made this argument a bunch. From ninety five ninety six. On up to, you know, early 2010, 2011, 12-ish, those are some of the most reliable vehicles that were produced in the last 50 years. And that is including the newer vehicles from 2012 on up. There's a tremendous amount more to fail and break on those later, later model vehicles than the older ones. So when gas prices went up real high in like 07, 08 ish somewhere in there where they were four bucks a gallon, five bucks a gallon. Here in the Midwest, they were seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a gallon out in the coastal states. I saw a ton of people, especially with like Ford Rangers, S tens, uh Hondas, Toyotas, your smaller gas saving vehicles, really put more money in them, quote unquote, than they were worth, because it was worth it to them to have a vehicle that was paid off and invest in their economy or reasonable transportation. So wise, in my opinion. I I heard this when the interest rates were really, really low. People would, you know, just run and buy a new car when something big happened. And sometimes they did trade it in, but a lot of times they would keep that old car and park it behind the barn or the garage or out in the field. I have a couple of those. (laughs) And then I saw them start to bring them back out there when the squeeze really happened and fuel prices got high or interest rates are getting high right now. It really makes that vehicle that you own outright worth so much more and not having the payment. Yes, you have to put some money in them from time to time. My goal is to drive every vehicle a minimum of 10 years. So that gives me, you know, if you do a six-year loan, roughly four years of no payments. Now, I drive mine a lot longer than that. And the kids, you know, they'll tell me sometimes, uh, Stacy's oldest boy is like, I want to drive it till the wheels fall off. And I told him, I said, be very careful with that statement because I can make that car go for a long time, barring, you know, some catastrophic fail that I couldn't get parts for. Um, as well as it's, it's, we own it. Yeah. And that's worth a ton. No repo man can come pick it up in the middle of the night and haul it away. Um, When I paid off my last truck, this has been about eight years ago. Now, I haven't had a truck payment in like eight years. I went out and bought a tractor in lieu of my truck payment and just made sure to keep my trucks running. And I've been able to do that uh, successfully with not a lot. I mean, I've had to put some money in them. But instead of running out and going from truck payment to truck payment to truck payment, etc., I thought, hey, why don't we, you know, keep the vehicles I got going and help me help myself with something that gives me more capabilities or saves my back or time. And that was really the mindset that if I 
don't have the truck payment, I can take that money and put it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a tractor. It could be a boat or a camper or a four-wheeler or side-by-side, whatever floats your boat. But for me, I needed something to multiply my man hours, basically. And the tractor has been wonderful. I have been so thankful. Something that I would have worked on a whole day or days, I could do a couple hours with that tractor and not break my back. And having the flexibility that I didn't have to run out and buy a vehicle that I was going to make payments on really allowed me to do that. So that's kind of my mindset when I talk about taking care of your vehicle, as well as if we have just a moment. I know you were in a situation where you, you know, needed a new vehicle because your lifestyle changed. That vehicle, you know, was having some struggles and but it was still worth something. You were still able to do something with it, mm-hmm. and you didn't just have to take a loss on it, per se. That's right. And, you know, I really I loved that vehicle I know so very did. much. <laughs> uh, this one, not so much. I think I bought it just because I needed Here's what I did. So my first vehicle, I did kind of some research on it. I wanted cherry red, and I made that happen. Mm-hmm. But this one, I just kind of was like, you know what? I have a baby. I live out in the country now. Like, I need to get something that's going to work for me, like, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I didn't have that chance to really do all of the research. Plus, the market. It was I, brutal. It was very brutal. So I kind of had a very limited time. I mean, if I found a vehicle that I liked, it was hard to do research on it because mm-hmm. within a couple of days, it would have been gone. Yeah. So that was kind of the situation. But I think that once things kind of cool down, um, once I get my vehicle paid down, maybe I'll switch it out. But, you know, it is a it is a great vehicle mm-hmm. for me right now. You've done it's been kind of that stepping stone, hopefully, mm-hmm. between what you had and what you really want or need going forward. And thankfully, you know, it's an awesome little kind of crossover. So even if you do move into something else, there's still a lot of value. You'll be able to transfer to your next vehicle for capability wise. So we're up against a break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I think this is a good time. Uh, Sarah and I were kind of talking about this on the break, is talking about a little bit of redundancy. So I teach my kids all the time, what's the first rule about being a prepper is that you don't talk about it. But Mm -hmm. I shouldn't really talk about it probably in this open forum, but I think it's important. And if it reaches one person out there, I honestly don't even care who knows you better have some redundancies in today's day and age and some backups, some contingency plans, adapt, overcome, whatever you want to call it. I don't e- it doesn't matter as long as you're doing it. And so having a backup vehicle, I think, is extremely important. And I'm not talking about EMP, um, electromagnet- electromagnetic pulse or CME, coronal mass ejection. Sarah and I have done some shows on that, which I think was Very cool. That was a listener question. Uh, Spurred us into some research, I guess, if you will, for the Carrington event, I think was what it was Mm -hmm. called. Uh, You can do your research if you guys want more talk about that. We gladly can. Somebody send in, you know, a question or comment or thought. I would love to talk about that. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. It's that having the the safety net, if you will, or insurance. Sarah, you and Ryan probably are in the same boat as me and Stacy. We pay insurance every month or, yep. or quarterly or however you do it. And you hope that you never use it. At least that's my hope. Yeah, that's mine too. <laughs> but if you do, you want it to work. Well, I consider 
you know, some of the preparations that I feel like everybody should have is having a spare extra vehicle. Now, it's not just because I want more cars to work on. There are plenty of broken cars out there. I literally, uh, I spend all my time and then some, and there's still a backlog of broken cars out there, which we're in the broken car business, so that's great. But what I see is the people that have the backup, especially as their family gets bigger, it makes it much easier and less stressful Mm -hmm. for them to, you know, be able to leave the vehicle with us. These repairs are getting very, very intricate. It's not to where you open the hood, you can put an alternator on there in 20 minutes. Some of these, I'm lifting the engines up to create room. I'm dropping the cradle down. I mean... Some of these repairs, uh, I have a photo, which I don't know. Do we have the Is ability? Is the truck? Where we pulled the cab off yes. of it? Yes. I don't know if we have the ability to put yeah. that out. Send me a picture of it, and then I'll put it up on the podcast. I, I, and I, we probably, I'd like to make people more a part of some of those big repairs. If I don't know if we could post more photos, but sure. I, I see a lot of, of the repairs we're doing, and I find them very interesting, obviously, but I think a lot of other people will as well. But we had to do some significant work on a gentleman's one-ton truck, and we had the cab lifted up off of it in order to do that work. That's not something you're just going to be able to wait in the waiting room, and it's becoming more of a normal procedure that we have to do repairs in that manner. And I know for me, and I'm sure for you and Ryan, to be afoot really isn't an option. I mean, you know, you're not going to take the bus from where you guys live. I'm definitely not going to take the the uh, subway or whatever or the train system. We just really don't have that local uh, transit infrastructure in place, which is fine. Even when I lived up north and we did have the Amtrak and bus routes and schedules, it's really just not feasible. I can't wait half of my life on the bus or the train to get me to work and get me back home. I don't have that flexibility. I need to be able to get where I'm going, take care of business, and go right back to another priority. And so having the ability to leave my vehicle for a long length of time and not have something else to drive just isn't an option. So the thought process is once you get a car paid off or you buy a new-to-you used car, or what I do a lot is I look for mechanical troubled cars. Uh, I do have some bodywork background because my dad was an auto body technician most of my life, made me a big part of that. I do not have the gift or the patience to be a very good auto body technician. He did. He could make them look absolutely amazing in the paintwork and the bodywork, even on a collision really was awesome. But what he didn't do well was make him stop or go. And so I would get out there and I would help him. I have a lot of the understanding about body work and how to do it. But I much prefer in my lane, basically staying in your lane is ha- uh, making him stop and go. So if you find one that has been well taken care of, is that kind of that holy grail? Like it was grandma's car. She took it to, you know, the doctor and to church and to the grocery store, took really good care of it, hopefully garage kept. That makes a big difference if I'm buying a used vehicle, if I can happen to find one that was garage kept. Really night and day difference of how well that car goes through any mechanical repairs as the fasteners are pulled out, as you know, you disassemble the car and reassemble it. Those vehicles that have been garage kept really are quite a treat versus a vehicle that's been left outside its whole life. Now, my vehicles sit outside. I'm not going to say that they don't. 
but it makes the repair side of it more difficult typically. So having that redundancy or backup, I think, is very, very important and that flexibility. And then as we have added drivers to our household, you know, we have a few different kids coming into the driving age. It has been more critical, not necessarily for a backup vehicle for Stacy or I, but for the kids, because they have so many extracurricular activities. They're going to school. They're going to college. They're going to basketball practice. They're going to uh, theater and drama and, uh, you know, all the expressive arts, if you will. And it really, and then picking up second or uh, side jobs, if you will, you know, some of them have worked in the food industry. Some of them have worked in the babysitting sector. So it really has become a necessity just to take care of their cars that when something happens or I need to do some maintenance to them, I can just put them in another car, get them off to what they're doing, and then on my time, I can take care of the repairs. And I see that with a lot of households. I'm not the only one coming up with this idea. You know, I definitely don't think of all these ideas, but if you pay attention to successful people and adopt their habits, typically you'll be more successful versus having to beat your head against the wall and then figure it out on your own. So when I look at families and households that really keep that redundancy or backups, and you can fill in the blank, it's not just transportation, but I think that's very, very important that you have that backup and not be making a car payment on it. That's kind of how we started this show this morning was, you know, the average car payment, $777. I've talked about it here on the show. I'm very much a proponent of buying a new vehicle, and it's on my to-do list here in the next few years. But I don't want a literally a second house payment. I mean, you think about not that long ago, you could get a pretty doggone nice house for 800 a month. Well, if I'm spending all that on an asset that greatly depreciates over the five to eight years that you're going to be making payments on it, that's really when you talk about finances, and I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take any advice on this, it really just doesn't add up in my book. It makes it to where, you know, you're almost renting the vehicle forever, and there's not a lot to show for you at the end. If I'm making payments on a house, a lot of times when I go to sell it, it's going to typically, unless you bought at the height of the the housing bubble, it's typically going to be worth as much, if not maybe a little bit more. And it doesn't, it's not a depreciating asset like a car is. Now, what a lot of people don't talk about on the car sector is once you get it paid off, every year you drive it after that payment free, you get a return on that asset, which is why that 10 And I have people drive it 15 and 20 years. I've got cars that I've owned since I was 18 that are still drivable. Every year after that, that is where you get your return on investment. So you look at uh, Sarah and Ryan, for instance, that 96 Ranger, that is a really well done, dependable vehicle with the technology that's on it. Does it have a lot of the bells and whistles, heated seats, ventilated seats, all that jazz? No, it doesn't. That wasn't part of it, but that's that much less that breaks or leaves you stranded on the side of the road. So when you think about having an extra vehicle, older vehicle, good refined technology that's paid off, really doesn't owe you a lot, that when it does need some repairs, it's typically not that big of a deal 
because that's where you're making your return on that investment. If I can get a vehicle and and I'll use my sister or even my mom for that instance, um, they have been able to drive their vehicles probably 10 years past date of payoff and been dependable and... I would argue, been able to sell them at the end of it when they decided, hey, you know, we don't need this vehicle anymore. We're going to send it down the road. I still talk to them, and they see those vehicles still running around serving somebody else. It is a very dependable, used, paid-off vehicle. It just makes good sense to me that, you know, if I want to return on that investment, I bought it right up front. I didn't overpay for it. I've taken good care of it. Yes, sometimes I got to put a couple thousand dollars a year in it. But if you add that up to the sales tax that you have to pay here in Missouri, and then the property tax that you have to pay here in Missouri, and then the cost of ownership going forward, a couple thousand dollars, I mean, that's what, let's let's be generous here. That's going to be three months worth of car payments. That really isn't too much to ask to get a whole 12 months worth of use out of that vehicle. So that's kind of where my mindset's at. If you guys disagree, that's cool. Tell me why. I'd like to know about it. But we're going to step into a break. Sarah and I will be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. We're halfway through. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We talk about gloom and doom from time to time, but I think uh, I would much rather be informed than burying my head in the sand. But Sarah, you got some stuff about some crime going Well, on. I've got a funky crime, and oh. then I've got um, some good crime. Is this like crime. F- Florida man funky crime? Kind of, Do you ever yeah. hear those? I, I always laugh so much Okay, so do you want the funky crime? Let's or do you- that, yeah. Okay. Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oscar Mayer Wienermobile repaired after a catalytic converter was stolen in Las Vegas. Who steals the catalytic converter? Uh, they should feel ashamed. I don't know who it was, <sighs> but uh, yeah, the catalytic converter of the 27 foot long hot dog on wheels was oh stolen. <sighs> who thinks about that? So, Sarah, I got this thing. That when I see these crimes happen, like stealing the catalytic converter off the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, I can't even like fathom. When I see the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile out on the road, which I have, I've seen mm-hmm. it up and down 44 I've been in here. it. Have you really? I have. Did you think about stealing the catalytic converter that while you were That was my only it? mind. I know. Yeah. How do people even dream up this crap? I don't know. They put so much effort in being a dirtbag. It just, it boggles my mind. Because when I see it, it's not, hey, what can I steal off of this this rig that I can make some money off of? Why not just go get a dang job? You'd think that'd be better than laying under and doing uh, unforeseen activities, stealing parts off of it. You think a job would be easier? The ironic part is the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile is always hiring for drivers. Are they really? Yes. I had no idea. Yes. How in the world do you know that? Um, well, so Are, is that your aspirations? It, don't, <laughs> don't tell anybody. Um, no. So I actually knew that because whenever the Wienermobile was in Springfield, I don't know if it was the last time that it was in town, but we saw it over at the zoo, me and okay. Nick, and we had hot dogs at like 9 a.m. Nice. And I forced him to go because I was very pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> you know what sounds good? A hot dog. Absolutely. And so they, I looked up, you know, just different places that they had been because mm-hmm. I got curious. And of course, they are always looking for drivers I'll for different darned. areas huh. across the United States. I had no idea. Yeah. 
So it's unbelievable. People are jerks. It's crazy. I cannot believe. It's just disappointing more than anything. It's like, really, dude? Or dudette? Could have been a lady. I'm going to bet it was probably a dude crawled under there and sawed it off there. And as well as when they do it, they a lot of times damage other things. It's not even like they're good, courteous criminals. They don't care. We have uh, we had one actually in the shop this week. They did a horrible job. They pulled out some of the wiring under this vehicle. I mean, it was just absurd the way they butchered, and I mean truly butchered this these folks' truck. And then I feel like a a crumb when I go to them and say, "Hey." It's X amount of dollars because yeah. of all this collateral damage because these people were turds and stole part of your vehicle. It just blows me away. So uh, as we're being gloom and doomy, uh, what else you got over there? In the- so this one's kind of, it'll it'll make you feel a little bit better. Okay. So we've talked about Hyundai and Kia yeah. and how their vehicles have just, well, some of the vehicles have had theft issues mm-hmm. because of videos gone viral yeah. showing people how to steal their vehicles. Yeah. Now, typically this happens in bigger cities. Uh, St. Louis actually made the news for yeah. how many National vehicles. News, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there was that, but... Here's an answer to this. Okay. Hyundai and Kia have issued a software update that prevents TikTok challenge car thefts. So Hyundai and Kia have developed new software aimed at preventing an auto theft technique, targeting several of their vehicles that have been spread on TikTok and other social media, resulting in tens of thousands of thefts over the past year. Now, the method worked on certain older low-end models from 2011 to 2021 that used a key ignition instead of a push-button start that was not equipped with immobilizers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the software upgrade, it will reprogram the car so that locking the doors with the key fob sets the factory alarm and activates an ignition kill feature. This prevents the vehicles from being started unless the key fob is used to unlock them, which reactivates the ignition. Hyundai last week began making it available to owners of the 2017 to 2020 Elantra, the 2015 and the 2019 Sonata, and the 2020 and 2021 Venue. Mm. And they plan on updating more models by June. Well, and they have a whole list of vehicles. That too. leaves a lot of older. I am a I'm a fan of Hyundai and Kia for mm-hmm. the most part. The cost of ownership's usually pretty good. Yeah. Dependability's pretty good, but that's a lot of vehicles that they left out that are still on the road. I mean, I see a tremendous amount of that 2015, 2010, 12. Uh, we have two of them in our fleet. Both of the, the older kids drive an 07 and an 05, I believe. So the good thing is, so they're testing this software mm-hmm. on these models okay. so far. And then in June, if they work out all of the, the issues that they need to, they plan on updating uh, the Accent, the Elantra, the Elantra DT, the Genesis Coupe, the Kona, the Palisade, Santa Fe Sport, Santa Fe, Santa Fe XL, Sonata, mm-hmm. uh, Veloster. Is that who yeah, said that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a little two-door sports car. That's kind of oh a yeah yeah hot I've seen that one. yeah. So they do plan on they do plan on giving all of the models an update, uh, and they plan on doing that by June. But I think that it sounds like they are testing kind of the kinks mm-hmm. on these ones, and then they'll move forward. I definitely would recommend doing anything as proactive as possible. Careful where you park it. Mm-hmm. If you got a garage, uh, I'm preaching to myself here. You should clean out your garage so you can park <laughs> it inside. Uh, park in well-lit areas. Don't park where it's going to be convenient for some dirtbag to get in there and steal it. 
Have you seen any of the videos on TikTok? I'm not a TikTok person per se. I don't even have the app, but some of the stuff on YouTube will put it out there. Have you watched anybody steal any of these? No, but you know, criminals, I feel like they're just getting braver nowadays. It's amazing the ingenuity sometimes that goes into this. Uh, But I watched one. It was a lady that actually found the the culprit in the car, mm-hmm. fired up her cell phone, opened the back door, is videotaping the guy had a hood and like a uh, N95 mask on, if you will, so you really couldn't see him. Uh, he still continued to sit there for a few seconds, I would say, and try and get this thing. I mean, you could see him. He was shaking. He was trying to get the ignition, you know, destroyed, basically, for lack of a better term. And then finally he got out and ran away. And I was like, man... Just people go get a job. There was another video of in the middle of broad daylight, these folks, I don't know whether the car was stolen, but the plates were still on the car, had jacked up this gentleman's, uh, it was a guy from the voice that I heard on it, Prius, and they were sawing his catalytic converter off. He parked on the road. Uh I see a lot of these people get hit that have videos from surveillance cameras or they catch them in the act. They usually park out on the road. It's like it's easy pickings in these bigger cities if you Mm -hmm. park on the road. Um, But even us in the rural area, you know, I'm not going to put it past people to be turds out in the country either. And anything you can do, we run personally at my home. uh, I run surveillance and driveway cameras. So if anybody enters our driveway, a alarm goes off in the house. Now, it's not like a you know, a, a store alarm when you try and walk out and you've got the little barcode, it just gives us a chime to let us know that, hey, somebody entered our driveway. Yeah. And I've got it set off the road a little bit to where, you know, normal traffic doesn't set it off. But I really value being as proactive as possible. And then as well as we run cameras on the house. Now, a lot of times that'll only show your stuff leaving your yard or your yeah. house or whatever, which is a little salt in the wound, at least from my side of it. But if you're whatever you can do to not be a soft target, a lot of times, and I do not wish that on my neighbors or somebody else, but if you conduct yourself in a manner to be proactive and ready, a lot of times they will pass you by, unfortunately, and go find an easier, more unassuming target. And I hate that. I don't love that. But I also am not just going to put my head in the sand and not try and be proactive about this and say, hey, we're not the place that you want to come rob from. That's right. And I just think that as the way the world is going, as the world turns, um, uh, I probably dated myself there. I don't even know if that's a soap opera anymore. But it... uh, It's the way of the world, and you had better be stacking the cards in your favor and not putting yourself out there in a vulnerable uh, aspect. Even fueling at the gas station, I I definitely would encourage folks to be very vigilant Mm -hmm. as you are in those gas station events. You've seen it in other third world countries where they will rob you or steal your vehicle or rob you at the gas pump. Uh, you know, that's been happening for years. And here in America, we always thought, Psh, that ain't going to happen. Well, it is happening. And you definitely don't want to be standing there after you've just pumped a full tank of gas. Somebody jump in there and drive off in your rig Ugh. because you're there with a proximity key 
or you're left your vehicle running or whatever the case may be, uh, lock your doors, be proactive and watch out and, and keep your head on a swivel for lack of a better word. So we're going to step into another break. Sarah and I will be back right after this. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, are you sick of our jingle yet? No, I like it. it. It's an earworm thing, and I almost but like broke into the jingle song. There. I will tell you what, I like Seabergs better. Seabergs is a good one. Mm-hmm. They really do. I, uh, uh, I got a, a Kent, our near and dear uh, friend. He was a big proponent of that and put in a lot of a lot of time making sure they were perfect. And he did a good job. He did. Absolutely. So we got another story over there. Yep. It's a recall alert. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. It's for Tesla. So the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has announced a recall for 362,000 Tesla vehicles equipped with its full self-driving software. Now, the agency determined that the current version of the $15,000 system, which can handle many driving functions under human supervision, sometimes operates in potentially dangerous ways. Yeah. So an investigation found that it can exceed speed limits. It doesn't always stop for stop signs and may go straight through intersections Uh while driving in a turn only lane in certain and rare circumstances. Now, the voluntary recall affects certain versions of all four of Tesla's models built as far back as 2016. Tesla is expected to address the issue through an over the air software update that won't require the vehicles to be brought to a service center. Now, exact timing for this update has not been announced, but owners will be mailed notifications no later than April 15th. Mm -hmm. That sounds scary. Yeah. I don't know that I want to put my safety in the hands of AI, honestly. So I recently had an opportunity to drive a friend of ours, late model GM truck, like 2022. Mm -hmm. And this thing was sweet. Yeah. I mean, like super sweet. But while I was trying to figure out where we were going, now I wasn't driving while I was doing this. I was pulling up to the end of the parking lot. I did have my eyes over on the navigation side of things. It picked up and on the driver's information center said, hey, we can, I forget how it verbed it, but long story was, we can see that your eyes are not on the road. Now, again, we were not driving, so don't give me any hate over that. I was wanting to make sure I knew where we were going before we got out on the road. So I was rolling up to the intersection, looking at the maps, and it picked up and knew that my eyes were not up on the road, which Whoa. I thought was very interesting. It is paying attention. Now, one of the biggest, coolest things that it had, of course, it had heated seats, which is not necessarily a new thing, but I think it's cool. But it had a heated steering wheel, and it was in the midst of that last little kind of icy snow slush we got. And the heated steering wheel was awesome. I, you know, I don't want to say I'm a creature comfort person. At different points when I was younger, I wanted manual everything. I wanted manual four-wheel drive. I wanted manual windows and manual door locks because none of that stuff typically breaks very often. But as I've gotten a little bit older, I like some of the creature comforts. I like being able to unlock all the doors with a key fob or even from the master switch on the driver's side instead of having to reach over across the truck. But some of these 
new vehicles, some of the creature comforts that come in them are awesome. Uh, Factory-equipped Wi-Fi on this truck, which I thought was really cool for traveling. The navigation was excellent. Again, the heated steering wheel was amazing. Not to mention, I'm sure in the summertime it has ventilated seats, which I think would be pretty cool. Uh, I have driven and worked on a few of them over the years. It kind of makes me feel like my pants are wet for some reason uh, with the ventilation. But, man, that'd be cool. Something I have not ever driven but I think would be pretty cool is I've got a buddy of mine who has a late model. I think it's a platinum trim package F-150 that has a massaging seat, which sounds like you need that, like you you know got a hole in the head. But occasionally I do a lot of driving to pick up broken equipment or broken whatever, and after you've been on the road for five plus hours and you still got three or four hours to go, and then you got to drive all the way back once you get whatever it is picked up. I really would like some of that massaging seat thing. It, I think, would be just absolutely that extra little cool feature. And now that I'm kind of flirting with, you know, moving into maybe a new pickup or a newer pickup with less than three or 400,000 miles on them, you know, I'm kind of thinking about some of those bells and whistles to just make that life or those trips a little bit more comfortable. Now, would I love to get my pilot's license and be able to fly places quicker? Sure. That's on my bucket list someday. But for right now, you know, having a sweet setup, very capable pickup truck is kind of on my list. Now, when I get onto Ford's website or General Motors' website and I design or equip that truck in the manner that I would like, wow, does it add up fast. And that $777 truck payment or car payment we were talking about, for a truck equipped the way I wanted, it easily equips eclipses $1,200 a month on up to $1,500 a month. And, yeah, maybe I could do that, probably, but that's a lot to tie up and trade the amount of hours it takes to pay for those items. And back in the day, I really didn't think about that ever. Of course, I was buying like $500 trucks. So, you know, and I still do that from time to time. But it's just one of those things that, you know, the more I think about having to trade time for money, it just makes sense just to kind of drive what I got. Now, am I going to buy a new truck at some point? Sure. I'm definitely going to do that. But uh, at some point, you know, you got to kind of weigh it out of whether that's going to be advantageous or not, because when you break it down or I guess where my mindset is, is if I sign on that dotted line, I have just now indebted myself for, you know, seven, eight. I venture to say we're going to see 10-year car payments here before too long. They've been doing car payments on boats and RVs for 10 years for a long, long time. I see them probably going to have to do that with cars and trucks as expensive as some of these prices are going to be. And now you're locked into that amount of effort you're going to have to expel in order to pay for it. You think that's a weird way to think about it, Sarah? No, because that's kind of how I feel, too, with, with the way that our vehicle payments are right now. I mean, we aren't at 700 but we're pretty dang close mm -hmm. between the two of us. So yep. I want to make sure that the investments that we are making, um, both inside of our automobiles and outside mm -hmm. as well, I mean, I want to make sure that we're going to be safe and secure for many years to yeah. come. And, you know, that's a good point. You know, you guys live out 
in the rural part of the county. Uh, you're raising some of your own food, which I think is awesome. That's something we've been able to do. I don't have a tremendous amount of acreage, but I've got enough. We can do a cow or two and maybe some pigs and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So that's on my list that we are, you know, trying to provide for ourselves as much as possible versus, you know, having to wait uh, in the bread lines, if you will, you know, like they did back during the Great Depression and take care of us. And, you know, it's not really that I'm concerned about, you know, help or a helping hand or whatever. I just I know there are people out there that are going to need it. And I don't want to have to put all my eggs in that basket and yep. be able to take care of it for us to where the people that do need it that are, you know, uh, you know, have some health issues or some dis- disabled people. Um, that the help's there for them instead of somebody that's capable of working and mm-hmm. providing. And, you know, that I, I'm not opposed to help. God knows throughout my life I've had different times where folks are, you know, even some government programs have stepped up and helped us. But <clears throat> at the point now that I have a skilled trade that I have devoted my life to essentially and, you know, have the ability to put in a good, honest day's work, you know, it's not clean. It's not, you know, uh, air conditioned sometimes. Sometimes it's really a, a battle of wills to sweat and just kind of grind it out. <clears throat> but the amount of folks that are willing to do that right now is really waning. And I was talking with uh, a couple of business owners, and they have very successful businesses, but it relies on them to do the, the bulk lion's share of the work. And they're trying to expand. I believe they take care of their people. I believe that they pay pretty good. But they're talking like, hey, if uh, we can't find some additional help, which they have been looking uh, pretty actively, they're at some point, it's when they're done, that business will go away. And that's going to be a real hard reality check for a lot of people. They're overrun with work at this point. And... They have as much work as they want to do. They're charging a good uh, fair rate, but they're making good money, I'm sure. But at some point when they're fed up with it and their time is done, they haven't passed the skill set or the experience on to somebody else, those skills are going to just go away. And that business and that service will be that much more in demand, which it's in demand right now, and they cannot find people to... Uh, fill that void, which is something that is the reason, honestly, that I am employed and a part of A1 Custom Car Care right now, that years ago, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for a young person to learn from their veteran people, and I have soaked up as much of that knowledge as possible. Well, believe it or not, but we are at a show. Did you get wow. off your soapbox? No, but I'll save some for next week. <laughs> All right, we'll scoot it after. over to the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment, you can reach out to us on our text line. That phone number is 417 447 Five seven four three, or you can reach out to us on our social media at one zero four one KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.